Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the Sustainable Development Goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoyed today's SDG Talks podcast. of your immune system is found in your gut. Your body is constantly communicating with you. It's a matter of whether you're in tune with it or not. It's a matter of whether you're listening to it. What time is it? It's like two o'clock now? Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. Is this a work day for you? No, well, every day is a work day, not work day. It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> Life goes on, eh? Right? Simran, the reason why I wanted to talk with you today was because you are crazy about healthy, nutritious food. You've been a health coach, a research assistant, and are now a fully-fledged nutritionist within Nestle. Um, And of course, you were studying nutrition back in Leeds when we were in the same flat together in halls of residence. So I was just wondering, what excites you so much about food and what took you down this path of nutrition and health? I think first things first is that food is always a way to make someone happy. Mm. And I think over over decades, we've evolved with different diets every year. Name it the keto diet, the low-fat diet, the low-carb diet, this diet, that diet. It's endless. And in that one year that I probably spent uh, with you, I probably went through about eight different diets myself just to experiment what it was like without mm. realizing that actually harmed my body. So over about a period of 13 years, I had suffered with gut issues. And that's just one person. Can you imagine the billions of people out there getting sucked into this diet industry, this diet culture? Mm -hmm. That really, really made me want to make a bit of an effort to change or educate and put it out there that it's actually not that good for you, especially Mm -hmm. the young teenagers. So that was was really my target audience because that's when it all starts. With your, with your whole body image, how you look at yourself, your relationship with food, we're constantly being tormented. And imagine being mm-hmm. a land where you're always surrounded with food and you have an unhealthy relationship with it. It's a constant mm-hmm. battle that you would face. And imagine if that was everyone around you, that's not a safe space to be in. So I was really hoping that through this medium, I would be able to inspire a lot of people to choose what's right for their body rather than what's right for someone else's or whatever is trending. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what was it that you found on your journey through your own experiences of trying different diets? And what, what where are you at now with, with food and for yourself? Food is actually your medicine and a uh, famous quote, food is thy medicine and medicine be thy food, right? That common, that common phrase, you are what you eat. And at the end of the day, it all begins in your gut. That famous saying by Hippocrates. So yeah disease starts in your gut that's one thing i found to realize that it's as simple as if you take care of your gut it will take care of you and that we actually have the power through our lifestyle to decide what part of our genes get switched on versus what gets switched off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we actually are in control of our genes oftentimes we just blame it like oh i have diabetes because it's genetics i've di- like I'm obese because it's genetics. We tend to always blame it on genetics. So it's like a gun analogy. Your gun is loaded. It's whether you pull the trigger or not. <laughs> That's our lifestyle. So, so what, <laughs> wh- where do you find yourself now? I mean, what is it that you consume on a daily? And how do you decide what nutrition is good for you? Are you what kind of guidelines are you following <clears throat> for yourself? I follow a plant-based diet, which is, and I'm pretty much vegan. 
So I had given up dairy about two years ago because I found that my body was reacting to almost everything I would consume. And mm-hmm. I was already a vegetarian for the longest time of my life. It was just about um, dairy and egg. And at the end of it, I found out I was allergic to it. So I, I eventually cut that out and I felt a lot lighter because with these allergies, sometimes we don't necessarily see the rashes on your skin or notice the different, the, the subtle changes in our body or our, our daily life. For example, something like brain fog. If you tell someone, oh, I have brain fog, you just be like, what is that? Does that even exist? <laughs> You're just making it up. Mm-hmm. So this, this, this understanding of looking at things from a functional perspective that has, like, I think a lot of people now nowadays are actually leading towards that, which I think is a really good thing. Because mm-hmm. not nobody was designed to be overweight no one was designed to be sick it's things that we have done in our lives it's our daily habits that contribute to that yeah sometimes you may blame genetics but have you realized that it may not necessarily be genetics but because your parents were like that you ended up like that because you're following the same lifestyle Mm -hmm. and there's so much yeah there's so much power in the choices we make for the food that we want to put in our bodies and the lifestyle that we leave that we lead and I, I know what you mean about the, um, I find it quite interesting what you say about sometimes there's not very obvious physical symptoms like a rash or you know, something that you can say, huh, maybe I should test out my diet and see what's causing this rash. If it's something maybe subtle, it's almost, I would draw a strange parallel, but it's like when summer finally arrives and you're like, oh, I thought I was happy in winter, but actually <laughs> I really wasn't. <laughs> and it's only when the sun comes out that you're like, damn, I, I was really not feeling good. So I think maybe it's some of these things, you know, like my mum is, um, has the same for gluten and she's had it all her life and it's the same for, for her sister and other people in the family. And, you know, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, this gluten thing is just, you know, a load of blah, blah, blah. Um, you're just making it up, but she actually got tested and, you know, it has been affecting her and kind of like a slow attrition for years and years and years. And sometimes all it takes is putting, you know, a camera down into your, into your gut to actually see what's going on down there. And the thing is, once it's called intuitive eating. So once you realize how certain foods make your body feel, automatically you're, you're able to make that switch. Because your body is constantly communicating with you. It's a matter of whether you're in tune with it or not. It's a matter of whether you're listening to it. And that's where the whole mindfulness aspect comes into play. Because our mind is so cluttered with information bombarded from everywhere throughout the day that there is not much time in the day where we are quiet still and not thinking about anything Mm. Mm. it's times when we're mindful and we're quiet you're listening rather than like thinking you're listening to what your body has to tell you it's as simple as your body takes 20 minutes to know that it is full right Mm -hmm. and that's how we tend to overeat as well because firstly we eat faster like it's it's often that we eat in like less than 20 minutes Second, even though it's been 20 minutes, our mind is not actually present while we're eating that we've just had too much. We don't even realize. You just hoover it up. Yeah, exactly. You're just like, yeah, I'll just finish this and da 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 da. And you're like, but what happens in that process? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your body's communicating with you is whether or not you are paying attention to those signals. Do you utilize a lot of mindfulness in your daily life and yeah. certain practices like meditation and? yoga and you, and you really feel that it's part of a, a whole picture when it comes to absolutely health. it's also because your gut is your second mind your second brain mm-hmm. have you heard about the term gut feeling or intuition mm. that's 
got to come from somewhere. They say there's as many neurons as there are in your brain and your gut. So the whole gut lining is actually being lined with your neurons. So they're constantly communicating. So if you're anxious, you get a stomachache. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It goes both ways. It yeah. goes both ways. So that's why they say even your immune system gets compromised if you're stressed. 70% of your immune system is found in your gut. Okay. Okay, this is adding up. Yeah, it's all adding up. So once you look at it from a holistic perspective, you're like, oh, that makes sense. If I look at this and I look at that, it kind of all intervines together and just puts it to, like, it's like the different pieces of the puzzle coming together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I remember a study, actually, that was saying that your gut microbiome or the health of your gut can really influence things like depression um, which was really novel to me because you only hear about the things you mentioned. You know, if you've got if you're over, over obese, or you might have heart problems, or diabetes, or other problems, but you don't really think about your brain and your mental health. And would you say that actually there's a stronger link there than we might realize? It's called the brain-gut axis. The whole connection where 90% of your serotonin, which is your happy hormone, is produced in your gut. So safe to say, what you eat impacts how you feel. Okay, forget all of that. Let's say if you don't clear your gut every day, as simple as going to the bathroom to poop every day, how do you feel? Can you think clearly? I don't really know, to be honest. Number, first things first, you'll be grumpy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, if I don't use the toilet. Yeah. I think I would, yeah. I think I'd be pretty irritated, to be honest. <laughs> exactly, and that would affect how you think as well. Yeah, that would, that would. So it's like a whole ripple effect that sometimes we don't draw the connections together. What What do you think of things like coffee and other yeah, stimulants like that on your on your body and your nutri- on your on your overall health we don't actually need coffee as a stimulant as we actually have that all within us but enjoying a cup of coffee time and again there's no harm and if you want to have it every day that's fine as long as you're not getting your body used to it mm-hmm. it's like taking a laxative every day if you're talking about caffeine as a stimulant taking a laxative every day so if you don't have it that one day doesn't mean your body basically your body grows dependent to it and that's something you don't want because our body a very very quirky parallel to draw and makes coffee drinking seem very strange <laughs> no because i know a lot of people i like it was. <laughs> yeah yeah Again, I, really, all, I really like that your whole your entire health like your perspective of health can actually be ter- like okay i i'm all about talking about the poop because no one ever talks about it and it's mm. the simplest determinant of your health. Mm. If you have eaten too much, like, okay, there's a whole deep analysis of this. But going in. We, I want you to go in. Yeah, question to go first. Do you look at your poop after you poop every time? It depends on you. Yeah. I did a post on this on Instagram. I saw. Poopy life. That's because no one ever talks about it analyzing your poop on a daily basis you can actually see if there's something wrong with your body or not and you well, actually, can see if I've, what... if I've drunk a coffee i notice a huge difference a bad difference i'd say i mean i, I don't really know what I... <laughs> it's hard to judge you can't really hold it in your hands but from from feeling <laughs> from feeling and look you can sort of tell right yeah absolutely and if it floats if it sings what shape it is determines a lot and whether what nutrients do you need do you need more vegetables in your diet or are you having too much vegetables like there is actually this wellness camp very very ancient wellness camp in uh, thailand that actually assesses your health based on the quality of your poop so it sounds disgusting and one of my ex-bosses wanted to take me with her and i was like i'm not because i'm highly uncomfortable with (laughs) 
people lining up in a queue with buckets of poop. I'm like, no, for hygiene purposes, I'm not coming. But that's how he assesses you every day. So he just look at your poop and be like, this is what you need. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if that's the waste that's coming out of you, it'll exactly. highlight it any excesses. And maybe if it's missing something, then an, 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 um, a deficiency, right? If your body's really just soaking it all up from that waste. And as simple as not long ago, one of my dear cousins, um, he's very close to me and my family, and he had irregular bowels for about six months. And guess what we found out? It was stage four cancer. You found out from... I'm just going to a doctor in general. Okay. Okay. So it's like okay. the, the importance of knowing what your poop is like, knowing what, how, your body, how your gut functions, noticing those signals, understanding, okay, this is not normal. Mm -hmm. And that all important. comes back to being in tune with your body and being mindful and not just rushing through the day and sitting down and yeah. doing your business and running off again. It's like, okay, how do I actually feel right now? Yeah. Absolutely. Like checking in with yourself throughout the day rather than just, okay. And do you just think. Very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad that, I'm glad that we got to touch on the, on the poo talk. You maybe you should call it like stool talk or something. It doesn't sound so. <laughs> talk is funny. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. It goes well with the emoji as well. So you earlier on in the conversation, you were saying eat mostly plant-based, um, which is the same for me, actually. And I'm just curious to to hear what the reasons, again, were for that. I mean, of course, you mentioned the fact that you, you're vegetarian, but do you think that, um, that meat itself is something that's an issue for people? Or do you think it's all about taking it in moderation? Um, what are your thoughts about other people that are eating meat or how it can influence their health? I am actually quite biased because I look at it from a spiritual perspective. I realized I was a much angrier person when I used to be consuming meat. And I used to be consuming a lot of meat, mm -hmm. like four times a day, like, you know, the standard chicken breast, grilled. I used to oh, do yeah. all of it. Yeah, I did all of that, like five times a day. I'd have the Nando's peri-peri sauce. and. <laughs> <laughs> everything five to five times a day because at one point when i had a digestive reset or gut reset where i couldn't eat anything my body was allergic to pretty much everything and i throw up everything i eat the one thing the doctor asked me to eat was chicken five times a day so i used to have a tupperware of chicken in my bag everywhere i went and that but then i realized i was very angry for no reason mm -hmm. and the moment i cut meat out of my life it's like you're absorbing all that negative energy in them all that stress that's in them before you like before we kill them mm -hmm. we actually absorb it so from a spiritual mm -hmm. perspective you have all this extra energy that you have to channel or release it kind of would disturb an individual without them realizing so from a holistic perspective that's what i would take but from a health perspective it's okay to consume in moderation, but I'm very pro on plant-based. I'm very biased towards plant-based because I feel like you can get all the nutrients you need, all the minerals you need from all the plants in the world. Mm -hmm. Where do they, where do the animals get their nutrients from? Where do they get their minerals from? It's like cutting out the middleman. It's the same and with like megas. Like they say, oh, eat seaweed because that's technically where the fish gets it from. But how much seaweed do you have to eat? How much are we talking here? Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like the logic of cutting out the middleman. For example, dairy. If we need milk, wouldn't our moms be still producing it? Yeah, precisely. What, what do think... cows drink? This famous joke, you know, like, oh, it's a trick question. What do cows drink? You're like, uh, milk? And you're like, nope, they drink water. <laughs> that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, and I think 
you know, people just see it as such a staple in the human diet that's been there for, and it has been there for tens of thousands of years, but only, I mean, as we moved into sort of fixed settlements and away from the hunter-gatherers, which we had for a long, long, long time, longer than that, that we actually started, when we started, you know, industrial farming and actually it made sense to drink cow's milk because there's so many people in a small area that it's actually very energy dense. But if we're able to go out and get the variety of fruits and vegetables and everything else that's available to us then it should give us the nutrition we need and now we're so lucky that we've got supermarkets i mean in my case it's in my building so all the nutrition i could ever ask for is in my building yeah, it's right there and so, another cheat during this point you know is wheatgrass wheatgrass actually contains a lot of vitamins and minerals mm. that like for people who are fussy eaters if you have a shot of wheatgrass you're it's just as good as you're having like a whole big bowl of vegetables have you ever had a shot of wheatgrass though it is pretty nasty i actually make a wheatgrass beverage and that's one of my best selling products right now okay i'll put a link for that one in the description below the last time i had wheatgrass was when i was like 15 years old i think had a shot in a juice bar and that's my only memory of it i've not tried it since maybe that was just me being a teenager and it's actually really (laughs) tastes really nice but you can get into all the logistics of it like it actually leads back to all your cravings as well like people have cravings because their body is asking them for different minerals and vitamins that it needs. That's why it's been, it's like, oh, I'm craving specifically this. But sometimes we don't listen to it properly. We're like, oh, we're, cra- we're craving, end it. Let me reach for chocolate. Let me reach for ice cream. Mm-hmm. We're craving for comfort. Comfort, exactly. But if we feed it with the right nutrients and vitamins, basically vitamins and minerals, You'll, you'll start to notice that those cravings start to decrease. Totally. And again, it's it's almost like what you your example about the laxative. In my case, if I eat sugar at a certain time, specifically 3 p.m. in the office, you've had lunch already, it's not time to go home, you're pretty, you know, you want a sugar kick. If you do that once, you will never stop. Every day at 3 p.m., your body's like, I need that sugar again. Yeah, but if absolutely. you can have a more sustainable approach and eat food that's longer lasting and takes are longer lasting to, to digest you can get by really fine without it it's just once you develop these habits and these dependencies you kind of it's also hooked. about the man-made creation like man-made combinations that we've created it's a combination of fat carbohydrates and sugars it's like okay you can have slices of bread and butter like you can get carried away eating that but how much of the bread would you consume like a fresh loaf of bread you wouldn't be eating so much of it or a whole tub of butter you won't be eating it on its own, but when you combine it together, it's mm. just that satis- sense of satisfaction that we like, oh, we just want more, we just want more, we just want more. But if you're reliant on a whole food, natural-based diet, your mechanisms are still working. You still get that satisfaction and it doesn't get interrupted. Mm-hmm. creations. Like imagine now if you add a dollop of jam on it. <laughs> it makes you want it, it makes you want it even more. Like your jam scones, you know, like your scone cream and jam. <laughs> that was your time in England there wasn't it for the scones <laughs> but it's interesting when you say people just want more and more and more and this is slightly different from health and nutrition but it gets me thinking back to um, how much people need to consume in terms of natural resources when they're eating meat you know if we were all just eating plants we would be able to feed I was actually reading a study that said in, from 1997 so 20 years ago but that the U.S. grain production that feeds the livestock of the country could feed 800 million people, which is over two times the population of America, if they were all just eating the grain directly rather than you know the animals it went to. So I think another important point with your nutrition is also the effect it has on others. It's not just 
you and it's not just you know the health of your own body it's also the health of the planet and the health of communities and yeah totally you know if they've got these these pigs in in huge factories and in one concentrated in one region and there's a slurry and there's chemicals leaching into the rivers and there's all sorts of horrible diseases being transmitted around and uses so much more land and the you know the grain that's being produced uses so much more land i think that's quite an important point for a lot of people uh, but for some people they don't even really think about it that's where people like you come in <laughs> we have to spread the message absolutely agree eventually more and more people who start adopting this lifestyle because we mm. somewhat sort of think alike it kind of brings everybody together and everyone kind of works in synergy and mm. if everyone just takes care of themselves you'll see the world healing and in like faster much faster rate totally totally and i wonder if this time this corona time is going to influence the way people i mean it will change their change the way people live uh, i don't really know how how positive or negative it could be for now but it seems that people are a lot more aware of their local surroundings and their local communities and i mean i'm just thinking now more specifically in the uk but people come out to clap at, on a thursday afternoon and people are doing street workouts in in their you know on their streets people are starting home gardens and really understanding where their food comes from rather than just a packet of something in the shops and it's just ready made so i think you're quite right there also the the sort of ripple effect the power that you have if you know 200 people and they know 200 people the actions that you take could influence 100 times 200 which is something with fours and lots of zeros back <laughs> it's too early in the morning for that <laughs> but yeah it was really nice to chat with you simran thank you for having me on really cool to catch up i actually wanted to add um you know you've got your own food and recipe blog online so i think it would be really cool to also put that just in the description below and maybe you would want to share a few words on it yeah more than happy to so my passion actually is a lot of people make living healthy very complicated it's not actually that hard as we make it out to be mm. whether it's food industry implying that oh to be healthy is so hard it's very expensive basically we as a healthy nutters, me and my sister actually do this together. We want to make healthy simple for you, fun and tasty. Mm -hmm. You can't say no. <laughs> <laughs> and easy. And easy, right? Absolutely easy, yeah. Well, it's fun, it is easy, I guess. Yeah. It's fun to do, fun for the kids to get involved. So that's the message that we're trying to spread more people to be on board because it's not actually that hard. And it's not that expensive if you use local ingredients. So yeah. People can people can see your recipes, but you also sell sell food. Yeah, we sell food. So locally, we do whatever like it's a request. Whoever wants whatever, we try to cater as much as we can because we want to try fill that gap. So locally, like we have a few things like flaxseed wrap, which is um, really low in um, carb. It's good for your insulin level. So for example, for those who are diabetics, it's very safe to eat this. You don't even need to take an insulin shot after. Wow. We've got like healthier options for brownies, like beetroot brownies or a healthier option for brownies. Yeah, like a gluten-free version, a refined sugar-free, like re refined sugar-free versions. We need these recipes. We need the full just, recipe list. <laughs> Yeah, it's all on it's all on all on my Instagram page, and then we okay. also do a lot of almond milk. So that's a funny story how that started, because like I was allergic to dairy two years ago, and I had to give it up. And I was like, okay, I'm not big on drinking milk, but your brain is like a child. If you say you can't have something, automatically you want it. Mm -hmm. Only in the UK I used to drink a lot of milk because I did not know what real milk tasted like. <laughs> I think James would remember this. <laughs> But do you make the almond milk yourself? Yes, we make our own almond milk and... Do you press the almonds? I've always wondered. Squeeze it with your hands. That's it. Aren't they quite 
I am allergic to peanuts, so I'm, I've never. I've always been a bit scared of nuts in general. So I can. I've never actually held an almond. I can drink almond milk, but I've never. Is it not hard shelled? But if you blend them together with water, it's literally almond milk is water, almonds with whatever seasonings you want, and just mm, okay. squeeze it out later, or like strain it out essentially. Okay. Okay. So it's blended as well. Yeah, it's blended. It's just almonds and water blended, and then you just strain it out. And then you just squeeze it. I, I had an image of you squeezing an almond before blending. <laughs> the power of your fingers, just milking it. I was like, wow. You actually blend it. I'm sure you can get hold of an almond cow. So there's this machine that you can put any nuts you like. It just gives fresh nut milk whenever you want. Mm, a simple thing to do is if you have peanut butter or you're allergic to nuts, so definitely not peanuts. But if mm. you have, let's say, almond butter, you can mix, mix like a teaspoon of it or a tablespoon with water and you get almond milk. Awesome. And more, more of that at your Instagram page. Yes, you can find more of that on my Instagram page. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the STG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow STG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash and United Nations community. The goal of SDG Talks is to bring you value. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks. Five years later, we're reconnecting over the kitchen. We bonded over back. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. It's weird the way life kind of, you kind of cross and crisscross your tracks. Like, I still remember the time where I made Oreo cheesecake and I woke up the next morning and you had eaten it all up. And I'm like, where's my cheesecake? (laughs) No, that's that's not going in the podcast. (laughs) 